The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought. The topic du jour, the 53. When I say it that way, it sounds very dramatic. It sounds almost like it's supposed to be a CW show with unusually attractive people. I just feel like there's, there's, some, there's some teen drama-ish feel to the 53. Nate? How are you doing this evening, man? Yeah, sounds like a Hillary Duff uh, reboot, you know, something, uh, yeah, ABC Family, something along those mm-hmm. lines for sure. Yeah, no, I'm well. Um, you know, I know we, we've we got uh, quite the platter to talk about uh, this evening, so I'm looking forward to uh, hash out the 53-man roster. Looking forward to having uh, our friend Jay Skursky from the Buffalo News uh, hanging out with us as well to get his 53-man roster thoughts. So a lot to get to tonight, and I'm excited to do it. Well, without further ado... Let's kick it off with, quite frankly, the most pressing of all topics. Yes. And that is, there was some discussion. There was some dialogue on the Twitter machine today about the best way to reheat pizza. Now, I will offer up my opinion at the very beginning. So, as a poor bachelor, very early in my (laughs) adult life, I really didn't have much of an option for this. I had a microwave and that's it. That's really all I had. I had a microwave. I'm not entirely sure I even knew how to use the stove. So that was all I had. Then I upgraded from microwave to microwave with a glass of water next to it to increase the humidity in the microwave. And I thought that helped a little bit. Then then I moved forward to oven. And I was very excited about oven. Then I finally reached the pinnacle. I reached the top 
of reheating pizza consciousness. And that was wokeness with the wokeness the yeah. air fryer. I use the air fryer as often as possible. Now I'm a big air fryer guy. There is a line of thinking that I feel really strongly about that says if you use a cast iron skillet and you are able to get the bottom crispy and then you drop a little bit mm. of water in there for the steam and then cover it to get the cheese melty, that's mm. the good thing. However, what I found is that the margin for error is usually pretty high on that, a little too long and you're screwed a little bit, not yep. long enough and you're screwed. So for me, the same reason I like sous vide is the same reason mm. I like an air fryer. It takes the dummy work out of it. Yeah. It almost dummy proofs the issue. So for me, it's air fryer. If you're in the comments section with me, please hit me up. Make sure you tell me best way to reheat pizza. Nate, I'd love to get your thoughts. We're not far off, but especially if we're talking a slice, two slices, um, toaster oven is where you got to be. Now, the problem is not everybody in the, the Lord's year 2021 still has a toaster oven. They're kind of not the in vogue uh, kitchen resource that they were. Um, you know, as I was growing up, cause I grew up with, you know, a toaster oven in my house. We didn't use a normal toaster. Um, and, and my opinion, you get the, especially cause it's just very close to the heating, um, the heating source at the top there, you get the nice melt over the top. It takes about two, two and a half minutes at 400. Boom. You're in, you're out, you're melted, you're back warm. But here's the thing, Bruce, and this maybe isn't as much of a take as it is uh, an admission of guilt. Um, but uh, growing, uh, you, you mentioned in your single single bachelor days, well, that's a, where a lot of my habits kicked in uh, when I had my roommate and my, my good buddy with me. And, you know, when we were just out of college and in crappy jobs, what we would do was just buy Domino's pizza because it was down the street from us in the city. I know I'm in Buffalo and I was eating Domino's pizza a lot. I like Domino's, get over it. Um, the great, The one thing about Domino's though, Bruce, doesn't really reheat well. I mean, it's it's borderline fresh. So when you go to the reheat option, you you learn very quickly that just eat as much pizza as possible right now. Try to finish the whole pie rather than putting it in the refrigerator and, and saving it for a rainy day. So I think for me, uh, the, the best leftover pizza is fresh pizza. And that's exactly what we got from in the comments. Just spin 0481 says just buy a new pizza. <laughs> And let's be honest, part of the reason why we like pizza, especially as poor bachelors, is the value proposition. It's sure. the idea. It's the idea of it, though. Multiple meals out of it. Not even multiple meaningful meals, just multiple meals. So I think that there's a there's a longevity discussion to be had. As long as you find a good way to reheat pizza, you're mm. able to fully realize the potential of pizza. Because that's really what it is. It's the potential of pizza. Because how many old pieces of pizza have we thrown away? I think famously, there was a Philadelphia Eagles player who once missed a practice because he ate pizza that was too old and got sick. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might have been Zach Ertz when he was a rookie. I'm not entirely sure, but I, I would thing. like to, I'd like to commit. To, I'd like to commit to finding out the answer to that question because if you've gotten to the point where you've eaten pizza that 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 makes you sick. What are we doing? What are we, you know, what are we doing here as as men? What are we doing? Uh, especially one that, like Zach Ertz, you're you're a professional athlete. You can't be relying on days old pizza. Uh, listen to it. It's the same thing. Like we're, it's got dairy on it, man. It's got it's got cheese on it. It only it only lasts a certain while. And I there's a I used to have this pet peeve where 
my roommate would save pizza, but he wouldn't cover it. He would just keep it in the box and put it in the refrigerator. Uh, that does nothing if it's sitting out in the refrigerator. It might as well be sitting out, uh, you know, on the counter. There's no difference there. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like no one's really ever perfected it. And in the time no. by when you get to perfect it, it's later on in your life where you're no longer able to really appreciate it. It's almost like or you're, you're not eating world. you're not eating pizza at the volume you used to. I, I listen. I mean, I love pizza. Um, at this point in my life, I am not eating it at the volume that, that I was. But before we move on into the important topics for tonight, and uh, yes, of course, uh, Matt Warren is a little uh, thrown off uh, about my Domino's take, but live with the people. Um, I, 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 I think we, you and I have to at least just mention Pat Moran's take today on Twitter was... Oh, no borderline, you know, cancelable. I, 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 my, I think it was, or was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Uh, his tweet about, uh, you know, Picasso's pizza, which I very gladly, uh, you know, introduced you to Bruce. Um, I, there were some of the takes I did agree about Picasso. Sometimes Picasso's isn't, isn't like an everyday starter. Um, Picasso's is when you've had the same type of Buffalo pizza over and over and over again. And you want to have that uh, that that change of pace back, as somebody put it, the Darren Sproles, the real home run hitter. Um, that's Picasso. So uh, you know, I, I've got to really push hard uh, back, as as Picasso's did on Twitter. By the way, as the kids would say, Bruce Picasso's clap back on Pat Moran on Twitter. And you know what? I can appreciate that. I can appreciate a pizza company with a good social media yeah. presence. Because that's just almost that's right up there with good cheese, you know, good cheese, yes. social media presence, all this stuff is really important. Uh, my wife, after she had the Picasso's pizza that you so graciously introduced us to, she said it was quote the best pizza she's ever had unquote. And Mrs. Nolan, not known for being hyperbolic, I mean, Mrs. Nolan has had a lot of pizza. She's lived a lot of places because she's lived transparent, a lot of transparent, honest. Not forthcoming swings left and right, right? Not emotionally, N- not in the moment, not an east west runner, north no. south, north south. All right, let's do it. We have 53 man roster projections. You got yours, I got, I got mine. mine. We are going to go room by room. This is the first and last chance we're going to have an opportunity to have this discussion. Now, we know full well that there will probably be roster shenanigans by Brandon Bean, so it should be noted that before we get into this. That if there are roster shenanigans in regards to certain players that are going to be moved around right after the 53-man roster is set, that we should know about them. So before we get started, it should be noted that there are rules here. If you put a player on injured reserve before the 53-man roster is set, they are gone for the season. If you put them on injured reserve after the 53-man roster is set, they can return, which means... You need roster spots to be able to pull that off. The way that teams historically pull that off is they find vested veterans who are not subject to waivers. waivers. They cut them, say, hi, wink, wink, nod, nod, go wait in the parking lot for a day. Come back, I'll give you $30,000 signing bonus for your trouble. And in doing so, I will allow myself to keep someone on the roster, set the initial 53-man roster, then put them on IR so they can come back, and then re-sign the other player. You have to find people who are both vested veterans and also have a small amount of dead cap hit to be able to pull that off. So it should be noted that do not freak out if you see Brandon Bean cut someone unexpected. We are going to go That's through right. some of those things the Andre today. Roberts, uh, The Andre Roberts scenario playing out just once again, right? Absolutely. Let's start with quarterbacks. Nate, 
Who you got? Easy. Uh, two quarterbacks. Um, there's just not enough room on this roster to keep three. Sean McDermott already said he's not keeping a third quarterback for the COVID rules this year. I suspect Davis Webb is this team's practice squad quarterback, and Jake Fromm gets gets cut loose. We'll see with the amount of roster uh, practice squad positions if Fromm also returns to this team on a practice squad. But, um, yeah, two, two quarterbacks, Trubisky, Allen. It is not insane to keep two practice squad quarterbacks given no, the not. expanded size of the practice squad. I have the exact same thing. Alan Trubisky. Moving on, running backs. I will go first. I have three, but remember, shenanigans. Singletary, Moss, Breida. I do think Taiwan Jones will end up back on this team, but I think he gets cut in the initial round, and he will wait in the parking lot to make a room for somebody else. Nate? I exactly agree with that. Taiwan Jones is the easy candidate for all this. And frankly, he is he's become a borderline candidate for me because of how many other guys they're going to keep on this roster that specifically play, play special teams. Now, I get it. He is an elite uh, gunner on the punt team, and he's a really good kickoff guy. But, I mean, when we're talking about are we keeping seven, uh, seven wide receivers, we'll see as we get into that position group how that works out. If they're keeping seven receivers, which I think they should based on the concerns with the COVID uh, with COVID over the last couple of days and seeing, you know, Cole Beasley go out. And, and I'm a little worried about this team and how much they rely on the wide receiver position, keeping seven, including Jake Kumro. Could he be a guy that you could put out? And could he take over for Taiwan Jones? So I, I look at Taiwan Jones as that candidate to get cut and brought back. But I also view him as a true cut candidate. Taiwan Jones, three running backs. Moving to wide receivers. Nate, you're up first. Uh, wide receiver, I'm keeping seven. Um, and the last two guys I'm keeping, um, obviously I have, I have Isaiah McKenzie five, I have, uh, Kumaro six and I have Marquez Stevenson as seven. Um, and I think it's very possible, um, Isaiah McKenzie could be a candidate that they can bring back as well. Um, but I think at this point he is, is he's turned himself into a roster lock. I think he's almost moved himself above the kind of candidate that gets cut, but he is a vested veteran. It could be one of those candidates that Brandon Bean finds value in, in, in doing that with him. I have the Bills keeping eight wide receivers. Yes, I know it sounds insane, but again, again, please hear me out. They're actually only going to keep seven, but remember that roster spot we needed from Jones? We're using it here. Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, Davis, McKenzie, Kumaro, Stevenson, Hodgins. Now, mm. McKenzie is your player you want to move to IR. He's been in a sling, which means we would like him to come back, but we want to use that roster spot. So he makes the initial and then gets put on IR so Taiwan Jones can get brought back. So again, the Bills are actually keeping seven because McKenzie ends up being on IR temporarily and we bring him back. His spot is just a placeholder for Taiwan mm -hmm. Jones to come back. So you got to think Jones, McKenzie, those two swap. Moving on. Two, the tight ends. I'm going to go first. Two, Knox, Hollister. Sorry, Knox and Gilliam. Knox and Gilliam are the two. Hollister is, again, a wait-in-the-parking-lot guy. Mm. So, again, I do think that they will end up being three. But the initial 53-man roster will only have two on them. It'll be Knox and Gilliam. Technically, he's a fullback. You can view it that way if you yep. prefer. But Hollister is another one of those wait-in-the-parking-lot kind of guys. If I want to free up a spot, and you will see later... I do want to free up a spot. My Jones spot was used for McKenzie and my Hollister spot will be used for somebody else. Nate. I'm on the same page with you again. I believe Gilliam also gets the nod there because of the versatility. He's shown that he's a guy that can carry the ball. He can catch the ball. He can line up at fullback, H back, 
inline tight end. That versatility is going to be the reason that uh, that 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 you ultimately see Reggie Gilliam make the team. I agree. Three tight ends. He'll be listed as a tight end slash fullback, but he's going to count under that roster for three tight ends. And that gets us through the skilled position at fifteen, right? Is that, is that where yep. we're at? Are we or are we just above that now? I think we're at two, three, eight, two. So that's fifteen. Fifteen. We're at eight. We're at fifteen. All right. Offensive line. Let's go with you first. So obviously you have the starting group of five, and I believe uh, Cody Ford ends up being in that group. And then this is where things get tricky. Uh, Ryan Bates, lock. Uh, Ike Botker at this point, I believe is pretty close to a lock. I think Spencer Brown's obviously a lock as well. That gets us to eight. The question is, does this team have the ability to get to nine? And I have the feeling you're going to come back with me with another potential um, option for this team to maybe to, to get creative here with, with short-term IR. Um, but I I don't think this is a team that's going to let Tommy Doyle um, go, go, to, uh, go to conditional waivers. So I think for me, Tommy Doyle also has to be there. And that gets us to nine on the offensive line. I think that's a lot. I have the exact same nine. Dawkins, Feliciano, Morse, Ford, Williams, Brown, Doyle, Butker, Bates, I there's no Bates is way, a lock. There's no way you can have Bobby Hart make this team. I do believe that Ryan Bates is a lock. I think his ability to play all five is nice. The fact that he's been operating as solely the backup center would tell you a little bit about the way that the Bills feel about him because you would think that they would bump Feliciano over because that's yep. what we saw a little bit. But having Ryan Bates operate almost exclusively as a backup center, I think actually increases his chance of making this team. We are through the offense. It is time to the defense. We're going to start with defensive line. I have the Bills keeping 11. Remember that roster spot that I needed, that I got from Hollister? I'm going to use it right now on Harrison Phillips Mm -hmm. for short-term IR. So Hughes, Addison, Epinesa, Rousseau, Basham, Obata, Johnson, Oliver, Butler, Zimmer, Harrison Phillips. I do think that there's a possibility that Vernon Butler could have been the odd man out despite his contract. But Harrison Phillips got hurt. Yep. So now we need another body there. So I think that Harrison Phillips ends up being the IR spot to bring Hollister back. And McKenzie ends up being the IR spot to bring Jones back. So you see, these are the two spots that correlate with each other. 11, I think that this is the deepest section of the team. No doubt. In an area of the team that the team wanted to be the deepest at. So I don't think you go out there and you cut your knees off at the very bottom and say, yes, everything we've been trying to achieve with the defensive line shakeups that happened in 2020 and then again in 2021, we finally got the depth we want and now we're going to cut it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll make ways, they'll find ways to make it work. I haven't keep an 11. I'm on with you on that. I've got 11. I think that's been the number all along since the beginning of the season, uh, be, uh, since the beginning of training camp. Um, I, and, and I think you have enough uh, position flexibility there as well to get to a point where when Harrison Phillips comes back, though, they're going to have roster. They're going to have they're going to have discussions here, Bruce, because ultimately I don't think this is a team that wants to see if Zimmer can make it back to the practice squad and, and pass their waivers. I'm not sure that's something they feel comfortable with, which makes me believe I'm on the same boat as you that had Harrison Phillips not been injured, Vernon Butler was likely the odd man out. So we'll see how that plays out once Phillips is hundred percent healthy and back in the lineup. One of the things that I think you got to put your thinking caps on when you're thinking about the players that the team is going to expose to waivers is number one, have they exposed them to waivers before? Yeah, Because if they have and they haven't gotten any bites before, then there's a very reasonable chance that the team is going to feel comfortable doing it again. And the other thing is that 
you know, the reason why Tommy Doyle is going to make this team is because the Bills don't want to expose him to waivers. Now, we know full well that it's not super often that a team gets a player plucked from waivers. That's just not an extremely common thing. But teams like to keep their players in-house if at all possible. Moving on to linebackers. Mm -hmm. You are up. This was really tough for me. Um, I've got them at six, and I I think this is going to be where the roster crunch starts to happen, Um, particularly the Taiwan Jones argument that I made earlier about special teams. We've got people um, talking in our chat about Bam Johnson being gone. And I, and I say, no way that this is, this is a, this is a group of coaches. This is a general manager that have consistently stated in front of the media. And I said this before, and I'll say it again, when the coach and the GM talk about specific players in the media, very rarely I'm taking coaches and I'm taking the general manager at face value. Bam Johnson is, 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 is very safe on this roster because of his ability to play special teams. And this team values that. And that's part of what makes this decision at the linebacker position so difficult. But I do think ultimately that the, your top three are Edmonds, Milano, Klein. I believe four and five are, are Dotson and Andre Smith. And I think Andre Smith has crept into the top four discussion there over Tyrell Dotson. And Tyler Matakavich is another guy that this team has restructured. Therefore, he is on this roster. But the question is, do they uh, do they try to do any maneuvering here at linebacker? Um, and do they believe that they might be able to cover um, a Tyrell Dotson with Andre Smith? And maybe he's an odd man out there. Maybe you only keep five linebackers. But right now, I've got six. Six. Edmonds, Milano, Klein, Smith, Matakavich, Dotson. I think that's, you know, it's amazing. The more I do these things, the less variance I get in them. Mm. And I think really less variance in 53-man roster projections speaks primarily to how good the team is. Yep. I think the more variance you get in 53-man final roster projections, the more questions there are up in the air. The worse your team is, the more questions they have. The more questions they have, the more roster spots are up for grabs. We should be viewing this boring 53-man roster projection as a good thing. Yeah. Boring is good. You know what else is boring? Winning. Let's do it. I'm all about it. Cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. I have the Bills with five. Yes. White, Wallace, Johnson, Jackson, Neal. Remember, there was one player that canceled out another player. I've done it twice already. I had Jones and McKenzie. Mm-hmm. And then I had Hollister and Phillips. I'm going to do it one more time. The Bills are going to cut Cam Lewis. So I do think there's a chance Cam Lewis ends up back on this team, but they've exposed yep. him to waivers multiple times before with no bites. So I would not be shocked if they do it so that they can add someone else who we'll talk about later on to injured reserve. Nate. Five with you as well. I think Nick McLeod has made a case. Um, to be a guy that could push for a sixth corner spot. The question that I would have is how how versatile does this team? I, this team values Sierra Neal a lot. I don't believe he has the versatility that you can you can shave a safety um, in order to make room for a sixth corner that a guy, that if you have an injury, you can move somebody back to safety like Sierra Neal. Um, I think he's really separated himself as that second uh, slot defender um, on this defense, but can also play outside if if you know push comes to shove and injury happens. I think Nick McLeod, uh, Rashad Wild Goose, and Cam Lewis all end up on this team's practice squad. Moving along to the final, the final countdown. Safeties. Nate, you're up. 
Uh, well, we just based on pure numbers that we've currently have existing, we are down to four um, with three additional uh, or with, with the three specialists of, of, of Ferguson, Hawk, and Bass. Obviously, you know, we've got four spots left on this roster to fill. And obviously the first two are, are, are givens here, Poyer and Hyde. I think the third is a given as well. I think Jaquan Johnson is the third um, safety in this group. And, and the difference between DeMar Hamlin and Josh Thomas is so thin. Um, I think this team is in a really good position at the backup safety. This was a position I believe they wanted to continue adding depth to. So I think it's unfortunate here that they're going to likely have to make a decision between Thomas and Hamlin. And I ultimately think they 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 go with Hamlin here. And he is this team's fourth safety. Josh Thomas ultimately gets cut and hopefully makes it through um, and, uh, and and is on this team's practice squad going into the season. I, I think this is the, the safety position. The number four safety position was one of the more – uh, competitive competitions um, in this year's training camp. And it's no slight to Josh Thomas, who I thought had a great training camp, a great preseason. He could still potentially make a statement um, in tomorrow's game. I- I'm not sure that there are too many positions um, that aren't sort of wrapped up right now. This will, might be the only one up for grabs uh, with a good game or a standout game maybe being the difference. So you and I went in different directions here. I have Hyde, Poyer, Jaquan Johnson, and Josh Thomas. Mind you, Jaquan Johnson is one of those players that you want to put on short-term IR for designation return. And what do you do with him? Once you do that, you bring back Cam Lewis. So again, there are three player swaps involved in this. There's three instances of roster shenanigans. Taiwan Jones for Isaiah McKenzie, Jacob Hollister for Harrison Phillips, and Cam Lewis for Jaquan Johnson. Three individual shenanigans. That happened the day after cutdown day in order mm-hmm. to make all this stuff happen. So I went Thomas, you went Hamlin. You could go either way. Ironically, I, enough, I did way, all yeah. this stuff. I did all this stuff. And then I was looking through and Joe Buscalia of the athletic did a 53 man roster projection. I think it was yesterday or something like that. He and I had almost exactly the same one, except for the safety. The safety positions were a little bit different. I think they were swapped Hamlin and Thomas. And I was like, okay, I swear I'm not. I'm not just copying off the cool kids' homework. That's not what I'm doing. But listen, when when you're when you're coming up with the same roster projection as Joe B, you're feeling pretty good, you know. Yeah, I was feeling I was feeling pretty good about myself. Now, you know what? We have to. We have to do specialists because punters are people too, as EB has told me in the comments section. Thank you so much. All right. Um, I'll level with you. I I've got Bass, Hawk, and Ferguson. So what do you got? If it's different than that, I'd like to know how. <laughs> I think the interesting thing this particular offseason was there was no competition brought in. There was no kicker yeah, competition. None. There was no punter competition, which is very unusual because usually you want at least a camp leg. And I, I don't know exactly what the line of thinking there. I'd be interested to probably you know talk to Sean McDermott if I had in front of me. I would say, hey, what was the line of thinking between, between not bringing in a camp leg at punter or kicker? But sure enough, there we were. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we are done with our 53-man roster projection. We got through as we wait for Mr. Jay Skursky. Nate, you and I, uh, we had a little bit of uh, a buzz today with uh, some fantasy football discussions that you and I had. And uh, Mr. Joe Marino wanted us to talk about it on the pod tonight. Uh, it It was interesting. You know, for those of you who do not know, so there are some Bills media and Bills content creators who are involved in a fantasy football draft. And Nate and I were nice enough to, you know, be able to make a transaction. And we're going to tell you a little bit about that transaction after we have an opportunity to talk to Mr. Jay Skursky, who just popped up with us here on the Food for Thought. Mr. Skursky, thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Sorry. I was uh, a little, I was having some technical difficulties. I feel like uh, Jerry Sullivan right now. <laughs> Go back to one of my uh, my old coworkers. Uh, but yes, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm here now and uh, doing well. So Nate and I were doing a 53-man roster projection, and there are some narratives at specific positions. And that's kind of what we want to talk to you a little bit about. One of the first things I want to ask about is the backup safety spot. Because I went Thomas, Nate went Hamlin, Joe Biscalia went Thomas. That fourth safety spot is kind of interesting. And it's going to, it might be all the way to the wire. We could be watching an actual meaningful roster spot battle in a third preseason game, which is very unusual. Where do you currently have that fourth safety spot going? And what do you think of it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, well, number one, we have to, we've got to get an update, uh, more, more detail, at least on Jaquan Johnson, right? First of all, I mean, that could really factor into this. If that knee injury is uh, serious enough that it's going to keep him out of games when the regular season starts, uh, you know, maybe you try to figure out a way to have him make the 53 and then you put him on injured reserve. Uh, maybe you cut Thomas uh, with, with the idea that you're going to re-sign him uh, shortly after the fact. So I think it's a possibility that both of them, uh, particularly if Jaquan Johnson isn't healthy enough, uh, make the team. I, I would lean toward Hamlin only because I favor draft picks making this roster. I mean, when you look at the – I did the numbers. I wish I had it in front of me. Um, it, it's something like 23 out of 27 of Bean's picks – might even be a little higher, might be 24 or 27, have spent time on the 53-man roster, have made the team. Um, the uh, the seventh-round receiver from North Carolina, uh, his name escapes me right now, he didn't make it. And there was like one other one. And, uh, you know, Fromm hasn't played in a game, but he spent all the last season on the 53. The, the point there is that Brandon Bean is going to give his draft picks every opportunity to make the team. So that's why I think I would lean toward Hamlin right now. Uh, I agree that Josh Thomas, I think, has is, is done a nice job. He's done everything asked of him. And there's a very good chance, at least at the start of the season, again, you know, depending on Johnson's health, that they end up both uh, making the team, although it may take a little bit of maneuvering for that to be the case. Jay, um, I think a, a good follow-up question is something you mentioned there about how um, they may have some of these vested veterans, as as Bruce would put it, 
hang out in the parking lot after yeah. the first 53 man roster uh, comes out because we're going to need you guys back on the team when we make some uh, short term IR decisions here. How much of that type of maneuvering this year compared to years past do you believe Brandon Bean's going to have to do? Considering, I mean, just as we did the exercise before you came on, tinkering with this 53 man is probably one of the more difficult ones I've had um, doing this exercise over the last couple of years. Like this is, this is a lot like Tetris this year more than ever because you're trying to find spots. Are they going to keep seven? We've got eight receivers with one of them going to IR and Hodgins sort of being that seventh guy on the 53-man roster. I, like that, you, I, you could talk me out of that, and I think you could I'd talk, probably talk Bruce out of that, but I think the question here is how much tinkering um, with this long-term or the short-term IR, getting guys to the 53, and then ultimately moving in the short-term IR, do you think Brandon Bean's ultimately going to have to pull to, to get the roster that he wants to get for game day? Yeah, it's a good question. So what was it last year, right? It was Andre Roberts and I believe one other uh, where they had him make the initial 53. Uh, and then, you know, they are, well, no, I guess they got cut, right? And then brought yeah. back so that other guys could make the initial 53. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think easily that we could see a couple of those. Now, you know, obviously there's cap implications there that are involved. Uh, you know, you, you're probably looking at doing it with lesser salaried uh, type veterans, um, you know, a guy like AJ Klein to me jumps out as a possibility. Uh, he's, I, I, to me, that's like a logical one. Um, there could be others though. I, I think, yeah, certainly. And, and again, the, I think the injuries right now, when you look at that list, I think it was 16 guys that were out of practice. Uh, you now some of those may have been, you know, with the, the COVID designation and they're back. But the point is, is that they're at the point in the preseason at the point, uh, you know, the end of training camp, where that injury list has really grown uh, pretty substantially here over the last week or two. And, you know, the hope is, the expectation is that a lot of those aren't super long-term injuries where they're going to keep guys out. But, you know, what do you do with a guy like Harrison Phillips? That's a really interesting one. Now, he isn't, you know, he's not vested, right? This is uh, his fourth season. I believe he'd have to complete this season before you could do a move like that with him. But that's who you'd be looking at is those cheaper uh, vested veterans. And, and I think you're, yeah, I, I think what they did last year was two. I could see another two or three moves easily where it's out of necessity, right? And they tell those guys, hey, listen, this is not anything to do with you. We're going to resign you and, you know, we're going to make it worth your while, right? Whether that, you know, somehow they give them a little bit of extra something, uh, but they don't have a lot of salary cap room to be messing around too much with, uh, with there. But, yeah, I definitely think two or three of those types of moves are coming. And then, you know, the other the other part of this, and maybe you guys have talked about it, is, you know, what do they do in the trade market? You know, do they uh, are they able to swing a deal uh, moving, you know, where they've got some depth pieces, whether it's D-line, O-line, uh, wide receiver? You know, the wide receiver, I think, over the last week has really changed, you know, with the injuries and things like that. So, um, you know, and my, my thing is, is that a lot of the times when we're talking about trades, we're thinking, oh, it's just going to be for draft picks. Well, I mean, I think there are positions on this roster where they could use a little bit of depth. You know, I think number one is cornerback. I think they absolutely uh, could use a little bit more cornerback depth. So can you do a player, pro, you know, can you do a player for player deal at this point in, you know, in the preseason uh, right before the final rosters are set? It's probably not the easiest to pull off. But I think it's something that you got to keep in mind. And, you know, we've seen Brandon Bean. He's not afraid to make deals. So I think it's possible. 
Bruce, you better we better cool you down, buddy, with that cornerback trade talk. <laughs> you are never going to hear me complain about another corner. Andy Anderson brings in the super chat and says, Bills going 17 and 0. Anthony Marino did not go far enough predicting 16 and 1. Josh takes his Miami hatred to another level breaking the hearts of the 1972 Dolphins. Andy, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for being a part of this. We are here on Food for Thought. Nate Geary, Bruce Nolan here with Jay Skursky of the Buffalo News talking 53-man roster projections and narratives. Jay, question for you about the Bills and personnel when it comes to running the ball. One of the things that was a big part of the immediate aftermath of the 2020 season was both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott saying, we want to run the ball more effectively. Well, then they come in to this year with effectively the same personnel in the run game on the offensive line and running the ball in the backfield. There was discussions, obviously, that was rampant before the NFL draft about adding a running back high potentially because this team was in a win now window and they thought, hey, this is the time to get away with a luxury pick. But Matt Breida, essentially the only addition to the run game. It brings me to Reggie Gilliam. Reggie Gilliam was, of course, listed as a tight end last year. This year, he's listed as a fullback. And we got a chance to see him a little bit in that fullback role, specifically out there blocking with Zach Moss in the Chicago Bears game. I'm wondering if potentially there was a discussion about the loss of Patrick DeMarco and how that was more significant than we initially thought. Is Reggie Gilliam's maneuver from tight end to being reclassified as a fullback, is it just... Is it just nonsense for a depth chart purposes? Or is this a thing where, hey, we need to commit to a fullback so that at least we have the option? I know it's not a big part of what we do, but at least want to do it. Is there something there or am I just reading too much into it? No, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's definitely something there. And I think, you know, you call it what you want, you know, in the preseason. But, you know, the fact that he had eight carries, he was reasonably productive. He scored a couple of touchdowns against the Bears. Uh, it's less about that, though, and more about, you know, to your point, the the element or the wrinkle that it provides the offense. And the guy is uh, a tremendous uh, athlete. Uh, I'll, I'll just veer off course here just for a second. I have a, a good friend of mine who is uh, on the staff at UB, on the football staff, and he, he works in special teams. He told me uh, when the Bills signed Reggie Gilliam last year, texted me right away before I had even had any conversation. And he said, he will make that team. He's the best special teams player we've ever seen at UB. And, you know, I, you know, I get it, right. It's the Mac, but Hey, they still, you know, they go and they, they play other schools, they play some bigger schools. And he, he was adamant about how great he is on special teams. So I, I think that Reggie Gilliam, I think he surprised some people last year by making the team, but after hearing that, it wasn't as much of a surprise to me. And the fact that they're now, you know, experimenting him, well, it's more than an experiment. They have moved him. I mean, he's definitely a fullback. That's where he's working in practice. That's what he's doing. Uh, and, you know, it's it's not a cliche when Sean McDermott and, and Brian Dayball talk about, you know, loving position flexibility, and he's got that. And if you look at the tight end situation, how many are they going to keep? I think you can get away with keeping three on the 53 because you've got Gilliam who can go play there in a pinch if you need it. And yeah, I, I don't know exactly how much he's going to mean to the running game, how much he's going to be in there. I mean, let's face it, you know, I know that it was a talking point. I know there was a lot of conversation about it in the draft, but this is a team that's going to throw the ball a lot. When you pay Josh Allen a quarter of a billion dollars, you do it because you're going to throw. 
And I, I think that they, yeah, of course they want to run it better. They want to run it better when they have to run it better or when, or when it's convenient to run it better. Ideally that's in the fourth quarter of games with big leads and you want to bleed the clock. So that's when you want to run it better. So I think Gilliam is an interesting piece. I think you like having that element of, of the offense. It's something that, you know, when Dayball wants to, to dial up something like that, he can, but I don't know that his snap count is going to drastically go up this year. I think he's going to be, one of those guys that you use in certain situations. You know, one thing that we've learned about Dayball is that it's not, you know, he doesn't really give us a lot, right? In press conferences, he usually plays it pretty close. But when he when he talks about, you know, you go into the week and it's all about matchups, that, that's real. That that is that's what he means. So if he feels like Reggie Gilliam in some way is a mismatch for somebody on the Dolphins or the Jets or the Patriots or whoever it may be that they're playing. Then yeah, that was then those weeks. I think we will see him playing a little bit more. One of the things I think that people associate incorrectly sometimes is I think they associate a fullback with a man gap power run scheme. And the hilarious thing about that is some of the most well-known fullbacks in the NFL, specifically if you look at the Shanahan system in San Francisco, Kyle Juszczyk is a big part of what they do there, and that's a that's an outside zone running system. So the fact that the Bills moved a little bit more toward outside zone and zone runs in 2020 does not at any point preclude them from usage of a fullback and having right. that fit. So I think that's important to note because I think that in our head, we think fullback, then we think power run. Like that's the way it works. Yeah. And that's not necessarily true, especially if you have a person who's a really good athlete at the fullback position, the way that Reggie Gilliam is. Yeah. And I'd say Gilliam is an upgrade from DeMarco in, in that Agreed. regard. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think too, we, Bruce sort of alluded to the fact that they're sort of running back the same group, Jay, that they felt they needed to somehow upgrade. So I think part of this discussion goes right to the platter of Brian Dable, because how is Brian Dable going to change his principles to get put his, the same group of guys in better positions to succeed? And I think one of the interesting moves they made, and I think maybe a storyline we haven't talked quite enough about, is I do think that when you look at Cody Ford, he is one of this team's better interior run blockers. Now, whether or not we, we could probably all agree, he at times has been early on in his career in his first two seasons when healthy, a liability and pass protection. And that's really where he's been hurt. Again, this is a player that's started at right tackle, played right guard last year, then the injury happened. And now here he is, Jay, starting at left guard. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are with the flip-flop of J John Feliciano and he um, basically switching sides here. We saw Ike Butker really in that competition last year. Um, and now we're, we're we're firmly at Cody Ford at the left guard position and sort of wondering uh, what your overall thoughts of that are with, with him as basically penciled in here with the starters. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, I would say, you know, it's, it's about time, right? I mean, they needed to find a place for this guy. I mean, you yeah. move up in the second round for him. And he's got to be productive. He's got to be a meaningful contributing starter. You know, that's not to say that he has to make the Pro Bowl, but as a, a high second round pick, right, in the top half of the second round, you want this guy to be a, a starter. And yeah, I think he was, I, you know, I do think that you know, we talked about that position flexibility and how Dayball favors it. And, and in some ways, that's great. I think it helps him, but in other ways, it hurt him, right? He wasn't able to just go work at one spot and say, hey, this is where we want you to excel. This is the job, this is how you need to do it at this position. They finally at least found that, you know, and obviously we can't ignore the injury history, right? That's been significant for him too. So he's healthy. He knows where he's playing. He knows what he has to do in the starting lineup. He knows what's expected of him at in this, his third season. I mean, I think, you know, this is a 
he's on the very short list, right, of guys who are having prove-it years. I would say he's on that list. I think Devin Singletary's on that list. Dawson Knox is certainly on that list. There's, interestingly enough, you know, I just named three guys that were all day two draft picks of Brandon Bean. And if anybody, you know, follows me on social media, they they maybe have, you know, seen kind of some of my, my thoughts on that. I think that's one area where Bean has not hit a lot of home runs. He's maybe hit some singles and, you know, he's potentially struck out here a little bit uh, in particularly in that second and third round. So, you know, I, I think certainly Bean is looking at this Cody Ford situation and saying, okay, you guys have him in a spot now. Now he needs to produce. And again, you know, I think it goes, you can go down that list of those second and third rounders where that's true of a lot of them. Jay, uh, before we let you go for the evening, obviously the, the, the sort of news story that, got us to the weekend here uh, was the press conference yesterday um, with Sean McDermott and, and a lot of the news of, of some of the issues that um, his team is having, particularly in the public eye on social media. And, you know, obviously I, I think from afar from, uh, from folks that might've been watching the press conference live or might've been watching, you know, the news recaps, the local news recaps of it, there were, you know, I would say, it's hard to say like raw emotions with Sean McDermott. He's not a real emotional, particularly doesn't wear those emotions on his sleeve or, or with his, with his uh, facial expressions. I felt it was probably the closest thing to emotion I've seen from Sean McDermott. I think there's genuine concern there from him that this team is in a, in a Super Bowl window and something that he believes very strongly in, um, which is, you know, making sure that he's doing his, you know, I mean, not to make a joke of it, but uh, his 111th, like he very much uses that. He embodies that. He's talking about what he does for the country and, and kind of how that he, when he says things like that, Jay, I think there is real genuine concern, like something that's keeping Sean McDermott up at night yeah. about some of the stuff that's happened this week with the, with the roster and, and obviously some of these COVID protocols. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I talked earlier about, you know, Dayball and his press conferences and not giving you a lot. And I think, you know, Sean McDermott, particularly when the season starts, you know, it's, he's going to, he's going to be about his guys. He's going to be yeah. about protecting his players and whether that's, you know, not saying a lot about injuries or certainly not saying a lot about game plans or anything like that. He is going to keep a lot of that information in house as much as he can. And you know, that he's not on, he's not alone in doing that as, as a football coach, but this is a life issue, right? This is, uh, mm -hmm. and I've, you know, you hear a lot of that whole stick to football thing. Well, it is football, right? It's availability is football. And so it is a topic that has to come up. It has to be addressed. Uh, and I will, say, you know, right here, there have been a lot of times where I wish Sean McDermott might be a little bit more open with us on this, on this conversation, on this topic, yeah. he has been as open as he possibly can. He has spoke from the heart. He has been, um, you know, he has really laid out, you know, what the franchise has done, what he believes should happen, what he has, you know, said to his players. I don't really think that they're the message from Sean McDermott and, and from Brandon Bean on this topic has been consistent from day one. It's been, I think, the right message, you know, whether you want to get into that, we certainly don't need to do that. But um, I, I think he's been very uh, forthcoming, very steady in, in what he said. I, I think he's, you know, spoken passionately, spoken honestly. Uh, he has given, you know, us in the media every answer, right? We have had yeah. a lot of questions about it. You know, I don't think we've had too many questions. I don't, you know, I, I disagree uh, I know that that has, you know, maybe come up. Um, I, I would disagree with that. I thought it was handled very fairly on both sides. I thought the media media questions were fair, and I thought his answers were fair, honest, and forthcoming. 
Well, Jay, we appreciate you hopping on with us and uh, and sharing some of your insight. Obviously, this is sort of the um, the dress rehearsal, so to speak. We're seeing Bill's starters play. I, I, yeah. I came to a little shock to me, and I know a lot of other Bills fans who who thought the the Bills were kind of going to mail this in in terms of starters playing in the preseason. So we'll see that tomorrow. We look forward uh, to all your work this upcoming season, um, and we thank you again for your time tonight and joining us here for on uh, on Food for Thought. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you guys having me, and and keep up the great work. Awesome. Jay Skirsky of the Buffalo News joining us here on Food for Thought. We can't thank Jay uh, for his time. We know it's valuable. Um, big fan of Jay's too and, and have been for a long time. So I'm glad we were able to kind of get, get him together and get him on the podcast, uh, Bruce. But yeah, you know, I, I like a lot of what Jay had to say there, particularly um, about some of these roster decisions. I'm glad that he's kind of on team Hamlin with me. Um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see ultimately how this shakes out, but it, I do find it interesting. There, there does seem to be a bit of a media consensus. How many guys, you know, are we talking about that are really off the beaten path in terms of 53 man rosters? Like, I don't really think we're in for a surprise, Bruce. I think one of the reasons we're not in for a surprise this year relative to last year is because we actually saw the preseason games this year. Last yeah, year, right, they keep right. they keep a linebacker that none of us even had an idea was going to make the team. And we, of course, weren't able to see any of the practices. We weren't able to see any preseason games. I think that with the advent of play your starters less in preseason, you've been able to get a really good idea. Yeah, I would, that's right. I would, I would be right. amazed if 53-man roster projections across the NFL were not more accurate this year than they have been recently. I have no way of tracking that. But when you just look <laughs> at this shortened preseason and how teams have started to behave in specific ways when it comes to their starters in preseason, nowadays, if somebody doesn't play a lot of snaps, you're like, okay, that guy's probably making the team. That's just the way it is. So it's completely different. So yeah. as we move into the last phase of... Food for thought. The dessert menu. The dessert menu. We are going to tell that story. We are going to tell the story if Joe Marino is in the comment section. We are going to tell the story because you and I made a trade, as you and I have been known to do on occasion. We have made a couple yeah. of trades. For those of you who do not know, uh, Nate and I, Joe Marino, and some other Bills content creators, in addition to some media, we are in a dynasty fantasy football league. And the reigning champion of that dynasty football league. I forget, Nate. Who was it? Who is the reigning champion of that league? <laughs> it's me, ladies and gentlemen. I, I won the inaugural season of this particular dynasty league. And I I have a, a good team. I feel good about my team. But Nate and I have had some conversations in the past. We made a, a blockbuster trade last year that involved Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, a couple first-round picks, Joe Burrow. It was big. It was real big. One of the biggest trades that happened last year. And today we have been chatting back and forth. And Nate is really high on Saints wide receiver Marcus Calloway. And I am really high on Marcus Calloway, who yeah. happens to be on my bench. And Nate and I were having conversations because he had David Montgomery on the trade block. Well, we ended up making a trade that was essentially straight up. Marcus yeah. Calloway for David Montgomery. And immediately the chat just lit up yeah. like a Christmas tree. And Nate, I got to be honest, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> I like to trade for both of us. Listen, at the end of the day, uh, as you mentioned, I, I'm pretty high on Marquez Callaway. And I think for me, um, with a David Montgomery, I'm pretty deep at running back. I wasn't the deepest at receiver, particularly at the top. And what I'm hoping for is a boomer bust candidate here and, and Marquez, uh, Marquez Callaway. And I think for me, with David Montgomery, 
I, I, Josh, I could agree. I may have overpaid slightly for, for Callaway. Here's my, my justification though. Um, I got a real flash in the pan performance over the last six weeks for David Montgomery last season. He was the reason I made the playoffs. I started this league last year, one in six, and I made it to the semifinal um, of our uh, of our playoff in our first year of the dynasty. And a lot of that was the trades that I made at midseason to kind of flip my roster from being very bad um, with some injuries to competitive and on track. And ultimately, I got I got lucky in the first round. Who did I beat? I did I beat Joe Marino in the first round? No, who did I beat? No, I bet Del I beat Del Reed uh, in the first round and a big upset during the playoffs last year. No, you did because I beat Del Reed. In you the beat, championship. Who did I beat then? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, geez. It was a big upset. I know I beat somebody and it was an upset. I can't, I can't, I think it was Marino. I think I beat Marino. I don't know. Is, is that why he's Actually, so upset? He might be that way. Actually, I, I listen, I either beat Marino or he didn't make the playoffs. Either way, I, I just, all I hear is a lot of a stone throwing from a guy that, uh, that finished below me in, uh, in the, in year one. But at the end of the day, um, the thing I love about, and listen, I, I, am I, did I buy into the preseason hype too much? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but what I will say is Jameis Winston um, in that offense is going to throw to wide receivers. Um, he's going to throw the ball down the field. Um, there is abs- – I'm actually more excited. I was talking to somebody about this today that asked me about the trade on Twitter. And I said, think about this. I'm more excited about Callaway's fantasy value when, t- when Michael Thomas comes back because then you are not going to be bracketing coverages at all on Callaway once he starts dominating. He's that he's the team's number one pass target outside of Elmira. And downfield, this isn't Drew Brees. He's not going to be checking the ball fifteen to, or 10 to 15 times down to Elvin Kamara every week. Is Kamara still going to have fantasy value as a pass catcher? Absolutely he is. He's going to do that every year. But he's not getting 115, 120 targets this year from the running back position. Those are going to be dispersed more evenly through the wide receivers because we have a quarterback with an arm that can throw it downfield, stretch the defense. And the downfield acumen that I saw um, on Thursday night last week, um, or, or I'm sorry, on Monday night um, from – uh, Callaway, the ability to get the ball, to catch it in, in, in double coverage in tight spaces. Um, I really like him as a boom candidate this year. And for me, I was looking to move on from Montgomery. Um, I like Miles Gaskin. I've got him as my third running back. I got Mike Davis as my second running back, who I'm very high on this year in the Atlanta offense and a, and a rebound year for Atlanta on that offensive line. Um, I know Julio Jones. I think they are going to commit to running the football, but he's a huge valued for me as a pass catcher. And I have Nick Chubb as my number one running back. And I just needed some, I needed some, some boom potential out of my wide receiver position. He's 23 years old. In my opinion, I think you're going to end up with a nice player in Montgomery. Do I believe he's going to finish the season running back four again? Absolutely not. I believe I got a really good opportunity to get that flash in the pan. I probably got the most I'm going to get out of David Montgomery over the course of his fantasy career. That offensive line might be the worst in in, in football. Um, that's not going to be a very good team. They're going to be playing from behind a whole bunch. Um, so I, I think from a a move for positional value, I think it was a, a move that I think two young players, but Callaway's 23 years old and he's going to be wide receiver one going into at least midseason. And once he gets into that wide receiver two role and he's not seen any bracketed coverages, I, I, I like the move for myself. Um, and like I said, Joe Marino, when I am right about Callaway, will owe me my due on his podcast. Damn you know it. What? I'll level with you. I, I, I didn't think it was that bad for all the same reasons that you thought. I think that the youth thing has to be taken into consideration because it's a dynasty league. You have Marino. to consider the youth thing. And mind you, I had Jameis Winston, so I passed up on the combo. 
So that's important. Yes, Joe in the comment section said that Nate beat Matt Perino in the first round of the Fancy Playable Playoffs. I installed so you guys could make sure that you put some questions in the comment section, and we've gotten some. Josh McCartney says, is there a chance they keep three quarterbacks out of fear of losing Fromm to waivers? Guys, I don't think Jake Fromm has value. No, I don't think he has value to trade and I don't think he has value to waivers because the only thing that the NFL teams has seen from him is all of the teams in the league pass on him four times. Some of them passing on him more than four times and a preseason game. And that's it. And so if there aren't exciting physical tools that make you think untapped potential and you don't have a lot of film to go on, then I don't think Jake Fromm has any value. For me, no. We, We don't. I don't think we've had enough hot takes on this show, Bruce. Okay. Well, are you ready just in one? general? Just in general. I'm just saying. So right now, what I'd like to tell you is my hot take is there's a better chance that Jake Fromm isn't even re- coming back to the practice squad after he clears waivers. I think there's a better chance that the Bills go find another quarterback with better intangibles, with better tools that get shaken loose from another team to add to their practice squad than Jake Fromm does hit in his chances of actually being on this practice squad. I think that does that does that certify under hot takes? Absolutely, that certifies under hot takes. Having someone in your building for over a year now and mm-hmm. deciding, you know what, we've seen enough of this guy. We're not only are we going to get rid of him, we're not going to bring him back to the practice squad. He was our quarantine quarterback. We're going to quarantine him even far away from the team this year <laughs> on somebody else's roster and go get somebody else. Joe Marino says, Bruce beat me 202 to 114 in the round of the playoffs. Yeah. That's what you call a spanking. I had a good team last year. I think I have a good team this year. So Joe Marino says, Nate is even lower on Jake Fromm than me. Right. I agree with that. I agree with that. Chris Janke says, what happens to Tommy Sweeney? Neither of you mentioned him. Tommy Sweeney, he comes into the league and as a seventh round pick and you go, yeah, okay. If this is 30 years ago, Tommy Sweeney is a perfectly reasonable tight end. He does what you need him to do. There's nothing particularly exciting about him. He's good enough at this spot. He's good enough at this spot. I think he's a perfectly reasonable TE three. And then he gets hurt this year. And you think to yourself, how much have you really seen of Tommy Sweeney? Especially when you have an 11 and 10 based offense and the personnel groupings that are going to have lots of wide receivers and you're better at wide receiver. Are you really going to sacrifice talent for numbers? This is the same conversation I had when it re- regards to in regards to the defensive line, which is, are you going to sacrifice talent for numbers? Are you going to say, well, I really want to have three tight ends and a fullback, so I'm going to pass on a more talented wide receiver to get the nope. numbers at a position I'm using less of. That's right. So for me, Tommy Sweeney is simply a victim of the idea that they're talented other places and three tight ends and a fullback might not be in the cards. I think he's on a practice squad. I, having said that, right? I, I think both of us left him off our 53-man roster. I think that's just the way um, – I think just that, that's just the way that this roster is going to shake out. Like, to your point, uh, stylistically, if he brought something, maybe maybe he had uh, some top-end speed. He, uh, you know, he's a Brevin Jordan, right? Like, he's a guy that has some level of, of tool that you're like, this guy – has tool. We can find a way to, to make this work on the 53 man roster. That's not a shot at Tommy Sweeney. I think if he had to come in, if, if you have an injury to Dawson Knox, um, I think he could come in and, and you can insert him into a lineup um, and not feel like you are sacrificing a non, you know, a, 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 a non, a non NFL caliber player in the lineup. So I think he's a good practice squad candidate. I just don't believe there's room for him on this 53 man roster with the amount of people I believe um, that they're going to need to have at the wide receiver position on the roster. 
EB in the comments says, QB Gordon, Bruce, referring to Anthony Gordon, former Washington State quarterback. I was high on him, as high as you can be on someone who you want to take in the seventh round, if that's a thing. I'm really high on taking this guy with the last round of the draft. And if I'm anyone really- was watching the NFL Network game tonight, which is Minnesota and Kansas City, uh, Shane Bichelle, um, uh out of Kansas City is a guy that's got some tools. He's got the arm. Um, I, that's what I'm looking at for the Bills here. And do they try to make a move that they want to bring Davis Webb back to the practice squad, but find that second guy that maybe has got developmental traits. And I think at this point, anyone that's looking at Jake Fromm and, and seeing developmental traits, I just got to ask you, in what world? Um, and, and this is not, you know, this isn't pick on Jake Fromm time. I just don't believe he has the sort of traits that make him worth a practice squad spot when there aren't real developmental traits to be had or, or, or in there, right? Like he is, he's, he's what they've had classically on this practice squad for year in and year out. He's the Jeff tools of the world, right? The Jabron Hamdens guys that just are not legitimate NFL. They're, they're borderline NFL players. And I think Jake Fromm fits the bill for borderline. In fact, I would put him in the category. I just don't believe he has NFL arm strength. I think one of the things we need to do as a NFL society is we need to kind of rewire how we view backup quarterbacks because historically we have seen backup quarterback traits as being lack of traits. That's what we say. Oh, his upside is a backup. When you hear someone say his upside is a backup, he means he doesn't have tools. Yes. And it, for me personally, if you're going to give me a backup quarterback, if I can't get competence, at least give me variance. Yeah. I'll say that again. If I can't get competence, at least give me variance. Give me some sort of boom or bust because you're already taking such a significant step back from Josh Allen to whoever that player is. It doesn't matter who it is. At least introduce a level of chaos. This yeah, is the reason anarchy. why I want Anthony Gordon. Give me YOLO. Give me something. Give me some sort of chaos that can increase the probability because what we do is we have a backup quarterback and say, come in and just don't screw it up. I'm sorry, quarterbacks are too important for that now. Backup quarterbacks as a position, because quarterbacks as a position, are too important for it to be just don't screw it up. Mm -hmm. Give me something. Give me a runner. Give me someone with a huge arm. Give me someone with a great deep ball. Give me somebody with some semblance of traits. It is everything that is against what Jake Fromm is. So for me, like you said, Shane Bruchel, give me that. We have another take. Chris Jenke, what are the chances that Obata doesn't make this team? I'll level with you. At the very beginning of this, I was like, how are they going to find room for Obata? At the end of this, I'm going, they're going to find room for Obata. I would be floored if it came across and Sal Capaccio or Joe Biscalio or Matthew Fairburn tweets out and they say the Bills have released defensive end slash defensive tackle F.A. Obata. I would be shocked. Nate? Same. I'd be floored. Uh, Obata has turned himself and has found himself a role on this team as the Quinton Jefferson, uh, as, as, as I think what they wanted from Quinton Jefferson, right? As a guy that could bounce inside, he could bounce outside. I think you're going to see a step up from, uh, Obata over Jefferson. I thought it was a controversial move for them to move on from Jefferson. I thought that he played well enough last year in a role that he really wasn't signed to play. He's playing way more one technique than I think they wanted him without without having Star Latulale. I don't believe that's his the best possession for his success. Um, but I think when you're talking about Obada, you're talking about a guy now that I think fits really well on that interior third down NASCAR lineup that I think you're going to see a lot of this year. They have... So many options, Bruce. Bruce uh, Leslie Frazier has never had this level. And, and frankly, neither has 
Sean McDermott, this level of variation that you're talking about, right, with the quarterback position, well, they're going to have plenty of variation at the defensive end and the edge position and, and getting after the passer. They're going to be able to rotate through tons and tons and tons of personnel groupings along that defensive line. I'm really excited to see what a first down group looks like compared to a third down group because I, I think you're going to see a lot of variance in this in this defensive line. But yeah, uh, Obata is 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 a lock on this roster. Um, if if to your point, if if it turns out that he doesn't make this roster, I would have to say someone made a uh, an, an an unbelievable impression. Antonio Williams ran for 200 yards on on five carries. I, I right like I don't know what would have to happen for. Uh, for for Obata to not be on this roster. I'm not sure that I've got a scenario off the top of my head. I don't either. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did the food for thought thing. We did the and thing. We did the thing. The thing has been done. Somebody in the comment section says, where is the tequila? I don't think I can do tequila while I'm doing a podcast, Nate. I don't know about you. Man. Uh, it's, just, it's, a, it's a little it's a little much for me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't, I don't I'm more of a mezcal burn. guy myself. So Yeah, no, I'm good. So we did it. And, you know, last week... Nate made me do a terrible impression because I didn't have a sign-off. But this time I have a sign-off. You can all let me know what you think. Thanks for stopping by, Food for Thought. We hope you didn't leave hungry.